song, ladies, and you know, it's uh, faithfulness is something that's important, and in our lives as a Christian, I hope you're a faithful Christian uh, in your life today. Um, I'm going to have you turn as you, uh, you go to Matthew four. Uh, sorry, fourteen. Matthew five will be in uh, verses thirteen uh, down through about verses sixteen this morning. I'll read there, but as you're turning there, I, I'll just uh, tell you a couple more things about New Zealand. Um, New Zealand, I get to ask this question all the time, what's the temperature, what's the weather like in New Zealand? Let me just say I can't wait to get back to New Zealand from here, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, New Zealand, our summertime temperatures are roughly between 75 and 82 is our summertime temperature. Um, if they get in 85 or 90, that's, people are like passing out because that's super hot for them. But uh, And then our wintertime temperature would be around... Uh, where we live around 45 to 50 degrees in the winter daytime in the evening you could get down below freezing um, overnight but that's pretty much our temperatures it's pretty pretty moderate um, in New Zealand uh, the temperatures across the, across the country if you go further south down the island if you take a look at our display back there you'll see there's a map of New Zealand and there's two main islands we're on the one to the north the one in the south uh, will definitely get cooler. The further south you go, you're getting closer to the Antarctic Circle, so um, it gets much cooler down that way. And the South Island is made up of uh, a large mountain range right down pretty much from the north end to the south end. Um, it's uh, the highest peaks in the southern hemisphere, the Remarkables down on the uh, south end of the island near Queenstown. But it's a, it's a beautiful place, but a very needy place. And, uh, you know, they everybody around the world uh, needs to hear of Jesus no matter where you live, whether it's in New Zealand or Reno, Nevada. They need to, they need Christ. I'm so thankful for the song that we, the last song we sang as a con- congregation, and it just stirs my heart to sing that song to think that my hope is Jesus. You know, it's not in a man, it's in Jesus Christ. And can I encourage you today that in your life as a Christian, don't put your eyes on men, put them on Christ. Keep your eyes on him, because that's where your hope is. If you put it on a man, it'll fail you every time. But if you put him on Christ, that's the solid rock. Keep him on Christ. This morning I want to share, uh, just for a few moments, I'll try to be quick, because I know everybody wants to get out and to the barbecue, and I heard their softball. I'm not playing, but <laughs> that's the last thing I need to do. I think I've gotten wiser over there. I used to love softball, but I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'll be uh, laying on the ground and probably paralyzed if I if I do that. So, um, Matthew chapter five. We're going to start in verse thirteen. The Bible says this: "Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world." A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. This morning, I want to just think about that phrase this morning, ye are the light of the world. You know, we, we know this. And many of us, uh, if you grew up in church at all, I, um, I'll probably give my testimony a little bit, but as a kid, I, I didn't go to a Baptist church. We were Catholic. So I went to a Catholic church. I went to catechism as a kid. 
and uh, was very close. I was about a week away from communion at the Catholic Church when we left. But, you know, as a kid, when we started going to, to the Baptist Church, you know, one of the songs that we learned was This Little Light of Mine. And how many know that song, This Little Light of Mine? I'm going to let it shine. How did under a bushel know? I'm going to let it shine. You know, sometimes we, we think about, I, I don't know about you, I often think about those songs that I sang as a kid. You know, because singing about those things that I remember as a kid, it still brings deep conviction to my heart. That we are the light. You are the light. You know, right here in Reno, Nevada, Fernley, I said Reno, Fernley, you are the light to Fernley, Nevada. Grace Baptist Church is a light right here. And each, and it's not just, when we think about the church, the church is a light, but you know what it's made up of? People. And each one of you are that light. And, you know, I, I pray that your light is brightly shining in Fernley, Nevada. Because I truly believe that the time is short before the return of Christ. And, you know, that we need to be reaching people with the gospel while we still have time. But here in this passage this morning, uh, real quick, you know, what is the source of light? You ever stop and think about what is, what is the source of light? That we're, we're a light, and where's, what is the source that we get that light from? Anybody know who is called the light of the world? Jesus. John 8, 12 says this, they spake, uh, Then spake Jesus unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life. In John 9, 4 and 5, it says, I must do the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. You know, we, have, we live in a day when you can go to YouTube, you can turn on your TV. There's a lot of men that think they're the light of the world. But the light of the world is Jesus Christ. That is the light of the world. And you know, as... As uh, the, that light is, he is the source of our light. You know, you ever, you ever uh, stop and think about where the moon gets its light from? You know, the moon gets its light from the sun. You know, when I was growing up in Michigan, one of the, I, I one of the things I love about Michigan is the fall of the year. I love it, you can you can feel, and I don't know if you can do it out here because I think it's hot all the time. You guys would know better than me, but it. In the fall, you can feel the air change. You know, you can just feel it. You can. I I grew up on a farm. We had a dairy farm. We we baled hay. We did all that stuff. You know, we were chopping corn and that. And in the fall, when we got ready for harvest, I love that time of the year because you can kind of sense the change in the air. And then, man, when we start chopping hay and we start chopping corn, we start uh, taking all that stuff off. I love that smell in the air. I just, you know, I love that. I usually tell ladies, I love the fall, not because of pumpkin spice either. I do not like pumpkin spice. I know women, they look forward to the fall because man, pumpkin spice is going to be back on the shelf. Yuck. (laughs) But you know, we, I look forward to the fall of the year and because of that. And one of the things in the fall of the year that we would get is the harvest moon. You know, we get a a large moon that looks like you can reach out and touch it. And it is so bright in the evening, it's like it's, it's daylight in the night hours. And that moon is so bright. And you know, I, I often thought about that. And as a Christian, that, 
just like that moon reflects the light of the sun and it lights up even the night hours, we are as believers should be just like that moon reflecting the light of Jesus Christ, being a light in a dark place. And you know, your life needs to be a light right here in Fernley, Nevada, to people that need to know who Jesus Christ is. You know, we, we think that everybody knows who Jesus is. Can I tell you, a lot of people have no clue who Jesus is. You know, you can go to New Zealand. You can ask kids in New Zealand, have, you know who Jesus is? Have you ever heard of him? No, we've asked kids this in New Zealand. They, they have never heard of him. Some kids said, I wasn't a guy that was shot. You know, this kind of stuff. And nobody knows who Jesus is. And you know, we need to be taking and telling others, taking them the light, and being the light ourselves to a world that needs Jesus Christ. You know, one of the other sources of light, if you, if you read John 1, we know that, that Jesus Christ and the Word are called that He is the living Word. So, you know, our Bible, many times we think that the Bible is just a book. You know, this is a light to people. You know, we, you often hear people say that the Bible is a living book, and I believe it. And it's not just a book that has a cover that's just black and white, but this book has power that no other book has. That in this book, it has the ability to change people's lives and point them to Jesus Christ. You know, I have a friend that um, we talked about Samoa briefly in in our video. But in Samoa, the American missionary that was there, Jim Savali, Jim Savali was uh, from New Jersey. He went to Samoa some like 25 years ago that he went to Samoa the first time. But Jim Savali went to Samoa as a Jesuit priest. He was going to be a Jesuit priest. He was doing his year of soul searching in Samoa before he entered the Jesuit priesthood. Well, Jim landed in Samoa, and he saw this young lady by the name of Emmy across the way that was going to be a nun. Well, Jim quickly decided he did not want to be a priest anymore, that he was falling in love with Emmy. So he he and Emmy, through the process of time, ended up uh, leaving uh, the thought of being a priest and a nun behind. They ended up getting married, but he was the head of uh, Catholic education in, in, in Samoa. But you know what? There came a day that when Jim uh, was called, got a call by his brother Vinny, and Vinny says to to Jimmy, and they're Italian, so they had that. Hey, Jimmy, I got I'm leaving. I'm leaving the Catholic Church. And Jim, Jimmy, <laughs> says, "But Vinny, if you leave the Catholic Church, you're going to die and go to hell." And Vinny says, "Well, I'm going to the Greek Orthodox Church. If you can show me from my Bible how that." the Catholic Church is right, then I'll stay. He says, but you have to use my Bible. And he took a, a King James Version Bible, he gave it to him and said, here, you use this Bible to prove to me that the Catholic Church is right. You know, Jim, he's a, he's a student. That guy is a linguistic. He will study things out. He sat down, he said, I took a piece of paper. He said, I had a column here that said, proof text for Vinny. And I had a column here that said, uh, questions for further study. He said, do you realize I had zero proof text for Vinny and a whole lot of questions for further study when I started reading the Bible? He said, you know, after a while, God started convicting my heart. And just from simply reading the Bible, Jim Savali trusted Christ as his Savior. He knelt by his bed one year around Christmas time and prayed and trusted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And the Bible has light in it. 
if we will just use the light of the Word of God. You know, it doesn't, when we deal with people, sometimes we think we're the ones that have to lead them to Christ. The Word of God will lead them to Christ. Share the Bible with people. Tell them what it has to say. Tell them what Jesus said, what God said in His Word, and let that penetrate the hardness of their heart. But use the Word of God. You know, we as believers are to be that light as well. Christ said that, that we're the light of the world, that he's, he's left us here to reflect that light and to take it to other people. So you here in Fernley are, are a source of light as well. But what is that purpose of that light? And I'm moving along here. So what is the purpose of the light? You know, and, and we saw in Matthew uh, 5, uh, uh, sorry, where was I? Now I'm, now I'm off my page here. 5, uh, 16, I think it was. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, I, I'm, I'm not a proponent of lifestyle evangelism. I'm not going to come up here and say, hey, you know, just live right, don't share the gospel with people. If you, if you live the right way, it'll point people to Christ. I think it takes both. You know, in the front of my Bible, I have, I have a saying that I wrote down years ago when I was 18, 19 years old. I listened to a man speak in chapel, and, and he said this, your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. You understand that your walk, the way you live, speaks louder than the way you talk. You know, when, when I was a kid, my, my parents used to do this. Before we got saved, before we knew, before we were ever introduced to Christ in our home and my parents got saved and I, and I got saved, before that ever happened, you know, we were a pretty, pretty worldly home. You know, we were the typical, I would say, household. We were dysfunctional. We were, my, my dad was a drunk. He drank, he smoked cussed like a sailor. He was an abuser. He abused, abused my mom when we were kids. He abused us as kids. He would get drunk, come home on Fridays, and he wasn't the kind of drunk that come home and wanted to hug everybody. He was the kind of drunk that came home and wanted to beat everybody. So that's what our house was before um, before we, that, that we were introduced to, to Christ. But you know, as our light... The purpose of that light and living right is to point people like our family to Christ. You know, oh, I know I was going with that. That uh, was getting a little sidetracked. You know, when when before we were saved, uh, what I was saying is, you know, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. So you had this saying when we were kids. You know, when your parents would look at you and say, "Hey, don't do as I do, do as I say." You ever have your parents do that to you? That's what my my mom used to do. That she was classic at that. You know, she'd be like, hey, you know, we, we, I got in trouble for using profanity a few times around my, my mom when we were kids. And I would say something, and it would just make her mad, and she would grab a bar of soap, and she would grind that into my mouth. I mean, I ate, I ate more ivory soap than I wish to admit to. Yeah, you know, One time she tried lava soap on my mouth, too. That, that was really gritty. That was horrible. But, uh, you know, my mom would tell us. You know, and we would say, hey, we're just using the same words that you guys use that we hear. Well, don't use the words we use. Do what we're telling you to do. You know, don't, you can't do that. Well, Mom, that, you know, now years later, it doesn't work, Mom, because your kids are watching you, and they're going to mimic you. 
This is why it's so important in our life to live right. And the purpose of that light, when Jesus says, you know, that they'll glorify your Father which is in heaven, that our light as we live right, people will see the difference. And it should be such a difference that they want what you have in your life. You know, that they want Jesus in their life because of the way that we conduct ourselves and what we do. And, you know, and... In you know one of these examples, Amy, who is in our presentation, you saw her. I baptized her in a makeshift baptistry that we did behind one of the other members' house. But you know, Amy, I was sharing with Pastor this week. If you were to come to our home and you were standing in our living room and you were looking at the road, the house to the right of us is is gang members in the house next door. There's people in the house. There's people in the garage. There's people in the. They got camper vans in the driveway. There's just people everywhere over there. In the first month that we were there, we heard fighting outside, screaming, yelling, punching. I mean, you could hear the punches. So we will, you know, I'm the nosy neighbor. I go down to the bedroom window, kind of like looking out the curtains. It's like out there is a mob of people in the backyard, and there's a man and woman on the ground underneath the trampoline punching each other in the face because he took her wallet, and they were punching it out underneath the trampoline. And, you know, it's, it's crazy stuff goes on at the house all the time. And then if you go to the house to the left of us, I would say they're a dysfunctional family like we were. You know, they have uh, drugs and alcohol. It's not uncommon to hear screaming and profanity and everything else coming out of there. And uh, just just crazy, dysfunctional place. And But yet in the middle of that, God decided to put us right in the middle. And, you know, and we're, these aren't the only two crazy houses on the street. I, I often tell my wife I should put a video camera up in the corner of the house record everything that goes on on the street, and put it on YouTube and make money. I would be wealthy. Uh, I've been outside at 11 o'clock at night, and I can't, we're dealing with somebody else 11 o'clock at night, and some guy's walking down the street, and I, for whatever, they didn't even know each other. They started into, I thought we are going to have a fight between a man and a woman on the street, and then the guy breaks out in, if you know what the haka is, they do in New Zealand, he breaks out in the haka in the middle of the street. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? This is weird. You know, but it's it just weird stuff that happens. But anyways, we're, we're right in the middle of these houses. You know, one of the things that we do every year, Christmas time, Dawn makes, uh, she'll, she'll bake cookies and she'll do fudge and she'll do all this stuff. And we take these gift boxes out to our neighbors. And we take them around and we just try to, try to show some love to our neighbors that normally don't have it during the year. And we're just trying to show some concern, just neighborly love, Christian love to people that have never had that. And we do that, and, you know, people, they appreciate those things. That lady to the, the, the left of us, Catherine, um, her and her sister, Amy, who got saved, they would often come out and, and uh, you know, we, we'd be pulling in from the store, and we'd see them out there. And, you know, they're the kind of people, when you see them, you know they're going to run to the fence, and you're going to be at the fence for 40 minutes in a conversation, and you have other things to do, and you want to get inside and get them done. But, you know, we, we stop every time, and we have a conversation with them. We'll be outside for 40 minutes talking to them at the fence, and they'll come over. They'll ask for things. They'll send the kids over. Um, hey, Jerry, Auntie wants to know if we can have coffee. Hey, Jerry, Auntie wants to know if we can have a loaf of bread. Hey, Jerry, Auntie wants to know if we can have, or Dawn, can we have uh, sugar or anything like that. Some, and I kid you not, one time they knocked on my door, they came over and said, Hey, Jerry, our oven's not working. Can you cook our dinner? And they handed me their dinner. And so, you know, what do you do? You cook their dinner. I think I overcooked it, so it was the last time they asked me to cook their dinner. But, you know, th- this is just what happens in our neighborhood. 
But you know, we do those things and just try to love our neighbors. Just try to show them the, the love of Christ because they've never seen that before. You know, what motivates us to, to be kind and loving to people is because we want to share the gospel with them. We want them to come to us when, they're, when they are down and out and there's nowhere else to turn. They come, they'll come. And one day, Amy, it was about two years, two and a half years after being there and, and just trying to work with these girls next door, and Amy comes over and rings our doorbell, and she's standing there crying. I said, Amy, what's wrong? What can I help you with? She took off her sunglasses. She had a big black and blue eye. She just got in a fight. She had a big shiner. And she says, Jerry, I need Jesus in my life. You know, folks, every coffee, every little bit of sugar, every loaf of bread, every dinner we cooked was worth that time to have Amy come to our house and say, I need Jesus in my life. And sit down with her and go through the gospel and share with her what Jesus did for her and have her trust Christ as her Savior. I do it all again for that. And I wonder in your life, would you do it, love your neighbors that way? You know, and, I, and I'm not trying to say we're some superheroes because we're not. We're just normal people trying to be faithful to the Lord and, and love people like he's asked us. Because you know one of the hardest things to do is to love people. You realize this? It's because, you know, you get around people and it's like, hey, you know. And I know people get around me and they're like, yeah, that guy annoys me. I don't want to be around him too long. And, you know, everybody's kind of that way. Because we all have these people that we like to be around, we don't like to be around. And so, but it's loving people to the Savior. Live and be a light that, that Christ wants us to be. You know, but you know what often happens in our life is our light uh, gets to be a little bit dull in our life. You know, your light, how brightly is your light shining today? You know, what, what happens in, in life is the world and it picks at us and it dulls our light. The, the you know, fear of man kind of wants to be that bushel that hides the light that we're to be shining out to a lost and dying world. And when we're in New Zealand, one of the things that we have to do in New Zealand is have our cars inspected every year. And do you have to do that in Nevada? you have to have cars inspected? No. In uh, Pennsylvania, I know we had to. And in um, Illinois, where Don's from, we had to. But in Michigan, you don't have to. You can drive half a car in Michigan. You know, it'd be, you can see all the way through the car with the rust holes, and you can still drive it down the road. I love those kind of cars. <laughs> but, you know, we have to take our vehicles for an inspection in New Zealand. And we take it for um, a mechanical inspection. They check the brakes and all that things. But, you know, one of the things that they check is your headlights. Because your headlights have to be bright and shining uh, headlights on the front of your car. They have to be bright. They can't be dull. They have to look like they're, you know, like off the showroom floor, shiny, bright lights. But, you know, you've been around. You look at the light, headlights on your car sometimes. If you guys wash your cars, you look at them, and they're like, oh, man, the, the lens is brown and dingy. You know, it just kind of gets dull, and you don't get a bright light through, through the headlight that way. So I failed my inspections a couple of times, first year, and then I didn't, didn't check it the second year, and then I got smart the third year. I rolled back in there to get my headlights done. I would go to the garage, and I would take the wax, and you put the wax on the headlight, and you pull out the buffer, and you buff the headlight out, and it'll buff it out nice and shiny, and take off that film on the top, 
and I take my car in, I'll pass inspection every time, as long as I take the wax and I buff the headlights out, then I'm good, and I'll pass inspection. But you know, as I was thinking about just how that we failed, I would fail that inspection with the headlight because it's dim, I was thinking about how, how does that light get dim on my car? I'm driving down the road, people's cars are throwing up sand, you know, bugs are hitting my headlight, all this stuff just hits the headlight and just, and the sun dulls it, you know, and it just wears at it, and it dulls it out. Do you realize in your life as a Christian, those same kind of things are happening to you on a daily basis? Except it's the world, and it's, you know, what you hear on TV, or what it's on the radio, or, you know, the internet, or just going to work. I used to work in a factory years ago and I was on an assembly line and I know what it's like in a factory and you go in and you stand in line and the way guys talk in there and, and just the filth that goes on inside there and every day as you're standing in there it just wears at you every day. And I get that in our lives. It just happens that way all the time. But what ends up happening in our lives as believers is our light just kind of gets dim because we're not dealing with what is happening to us on a daily basis. And you know what we have to do is we have to come back to the Bible and we have to allow God's Word to be like that wax that we put on and we buff out the headlights that shine the light and keep us burning bright for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, right here in Fernley, what Fernley needs are people to say, you know what, I'm going to live my life as a bright and shining light until Christ come back and point people to the Savior. Sometimes, you know, it's easier to say that than to actually do it. You know, we've been talking this week about numerous people that we've known through the years that, you know, they wanted to do the right thing. People I went to Bible college with, people I grew up with, they want to do the right thing, but what happens over the time when they don't deal with the things that are going on and go back to the Word of God? You know how easy it is just to get out of the ministry or away from the Lord, and out of church, and we don't care anymore. Folks, don't let that be you. Be a light here in this community. You know, it's a great thing that Grace Baptist Church is having its 13th anniversary. It'll be a great thing for it to have its 26th anniversary, its 50th anniversary. But you know what it takes to have those anniversaries? People that stay faithful and allow their light to shine in a community that needs Christ. Today, will you determine to be a bright and shining light right here in Fernley? When I, when I grew up in the state of Michigan, you know, I said we were Catholic. We went to catechism. I, was, I would go to catechism every Tuesday and Thursday. This is when the public school... At the public school, they still let the Catholic Church come down. They take us out the last hour every Tuesday and Thursday down to the VFW hall, and we'd have catechism. And we were going to catechism. I'd go to church with my parents occasionally and my grandparents. And we would go to church at the Catholic Church. And we'd go down there, and we'd listen. And, you know, we, as kids, we weren't grabbing a whole lot of anything. You know, i I go to catechism. The only thing I did was take a straw and some paper, and I'd shoot at the teacher while she's up there. You know, I was a troublemaker. Uh, you wouldn't think that, would you, Rick? <laughs> but, you know, we that's what we were 
like his kids. But you know, there came a day when some people started knocking on our door and inviting us to come to church. There was a man by the name of David Smith and the pastor, Pastor Fred Kinkle. They started coming to our home on Thursday nights. They'd knock on our door, invite us to come to church. My parents would say, no, we're Catholic. We're not interested. We, we're not interested. The next Thursday, you know what happened? Hey, we're just coming down to see how you're doing. Anything we can do for you, invite you to come to church. Yeah, it's okay. We're not interested. We're Catholic. Next Thursday, just wanted to see you know, if we can help you anyway. Invite us to church. Eventually, my mom said, hey, I know Dave. You drive a Sunday school bus. You go right by our house. You can stop and pick up the boys this Sunday to go to go to church. We rode that first Sunday to Foster Ray Baptist Church on that bus. We came home that Sunday. My mom said, and this was an amazing thing to come out of her mouth. She said, okay, how'd you guys like that Baptist church? We said, we loved it. It was great. We played games and we had candy. It was awesome. You know, we, it's, as a kid, it's like, yeah, it's a great thing. We had played games, candy. We we're all good. We were in our element. My mom said, she said, you know, you guys can either go back to the Baptist church or you can go to catechism. I don't care what you do. Take your pick. We'll go to the Baptist church. We'll take the candy and the games. So we started going down to the Baptist church. You know, after a while, going to the Baptist church, I would sit there. We had a, uh, in the junior church area, there was two rows of chairs like this. Mrs. Uh, Strahl is up here. Anybody ever seen the old flannel graph sets where they take the little pieces, they put them on the board, they're telling a story, and with the story, they're taking those little pieces and putting them up there on the flannel graph. As a kid, I sat there and I was watching. We'd been going to church here about three months at that time, and I can remember that day, she's teaching about Jesus Christ, the crucifixion, and the resurrection. Why was Jesus crucified? Why did he rise from the dead? What was the purpose and she's teaching that and putting it on that flannel graph board. And she's putting those pieces on that board. And she's telling that story. And for the first time in my life as a kid, I realized Jerry Judd's a sinner. Because when I was going to catechism, they just told me, be good. And I knew that was missing something. Because the Bible says, you're a sinner and you needed Jesus as a Savior. And that Sunday, I got up out of my pew, or out of my chair, I walked over in a classroom off the side, and there was about three other kids, and we trusted Christ as our Savior that morning at Foster Ray Baptist Church. It wasn't long after that, my, my brothers got saved, and it wasn't long after that, my parents started wondering, what is going on at that church, and why do they care so much about our kids? And they started coming up, and they'd sneak in the back, and they'd sit in the back row, and they'd, they'd just sit there thinking, you know, we just want to see what's going on. But the guy, David Smith, that knocked on our door would always catch my parents walking out that door and say, hey, if there's anything we can do for you, we'd love to answer your questions. Eventually, over a few weeks of them doing that, I saw my mom and dad get saved at Foster Ray Baptist Church. Folks, when I said this book is a living book and powerful and changes a life, it does. I saw my dad take his alcohol, pour it down the drain, throw his cigarettes out, his language cleaned up, and I saw him change from a drunk to a deacon at Foster Ray Baptist Church over time. He's not perfect, but God is doing a work in his life. And you know what made the difference is people in Foster Ray, Michigan, that said, we want to be a bright and shining light to our community. You know, here in Fernley, there's homes with three little boys and a mom and dad that need people from this church to knock on their door and say, hey, we have the answer to your problems. It's Jesus. Remember that song we sang? My hope is Jesus. 
That's the answer. It's not being moral. It's not in, you know, just trying to live the right life. The answer is Jesus. Folks, will you be the light right here in Fernley that God wants you to be? So that in another 13 years or 50 year anniversary, this church is still here and these chairs are full of people that you brought to Christ. Will you be that light? Let's close our eyes and bow, bow our heads in a word of prayer this morning. I'm going to turn it over here to Pastor in just a moment. But if you're here today, I'm just going to ask a couple of questions. Nobody's looking around. Maybe today you're here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know the most important decision you will ever make in your life is accepting or rejecting Christ. That is the most important decision is accepting Him. And maybe today you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior. And today you'd like to have someone take a Bible and show you from the Word of God how today you can know for sure if you were to die today that you would go to heaven. If that's you here today, just simply raise your hand. I'm not going to call you up, but I'd like to pray for you. Is there anyone here like that today? All right, maybe today you're here and you say, you know what, brother?